everyone, and welcome back to the long-awaited return of the Broadway Bulletin. We are so happy to have you back, and we are so happy to be back. It has been so long since we were last able to come to you with news and tidbits from around the theater world. But have no fear, we are back and here to stay. And as much as I do love a good sentimental moment, why don't we save all that for when we all get together for a drink and a show? Because after all, that's not what you came here for. You came here for the Broadway Bulletin. So on with it. This week on Broadway, Bob Fosse's Dancing closed on May 14th, 2023. Yes, it did. And what an amazing show that was for to close out on. But happy trails to the cast and crew over at the Music Box with Bob Fosse's Dancing, a wonderful show that we'll get into later. More news on the closing front. Just next door at the Imperial Theater, Bad Cinderella has announced that it will be closing on June 4th. As of June 4th, it'll be the First time since 1982, I want to say. Yeah. Or 79. Yeah, about there. Yeah, that we have not had an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Something like 50 years that there won't be an Andrew Lloyd Webber show on Broadway. Yeah. So that's... History in the making, folks. Right there. Once Upon a One More Time at the Marquee Theater just began its previews on May 13th. And I'm very excited for us to see the show. A brand new take on a classic tale, but empowered by the music of Britney Spears. Also, just a fun fact, while we're losing shows by Andrew Lloyd Webber, we will have three shows on Broadway that feature Britney Spears songs. Okay, now you're going to have to catch me up on that one because I know Anne Juliet, Once Upon a One More Time. Who's the third? Moulin Rouge. Ah. I was like (laughs) staring me right in the face. So I guess Britney is dominating Broadway. It's Britney, Broadway. (laughs) That's a Um, terrible pun. That's terrible. Terrible. Also, this week in Broadway history, A.J. Shively, who y'all may know from Paradise Square... And or, or bright, bright star, star celebrates his birthday today. Yes, he and he's just coming off of a beautiful concert up with the Boston Pops of Ragtime, oh. which I wish I could have gone up and see. He's an incredible performer. So if you ever get the chance to see him, wasn't check he him. also nominated for an award with his classic stage? Yes, he was. Performance of A Man of No Importance. That's correct. Yeah, he just got nominated for, I believe, as a Lucille Lortel Award. I'm not sure if it was a drama desk as well. But either way, congrats and a very happy birthday from all of us at Stage Whisper. Moving on to some theater community news. The biggest news story, I think, that's on everyone's lips and we're all paying very close attention to. As of today, as of this recording on Monday, May 15th, The Tony Awards will not be televised on June 11th, 2023 on CBS or Pluto TV because of the Writer Guild of America strike, the WGA strike. An emergency meeting has been held today to discuss whether or not to do a small non-televised ceremony like a a press conference or a, a dinner of some sort or if the award ceremony will be postponed. We're still waiting to hear what the decision will be. I do know that the Tony Award organizers submitted a waiver to the WGA to try to still be able to do the ceremonies, but it was denied. 
Right, and I I believe they request they submitted a second waiver. We will see what what comes of any of that. But I do want to make one thing very clear, and I think I can speak on behalf of of the theater community and the theater industry as a whole. Broadway community, which of course the Tony Awards is for and about, is a union community. You you essentially have to be in union to work in this industry. There's not really a part of the Broadway experience that is not a union. Bartenders, ushers, backstage anyone, actor, everyone is in a union. And we all support the WGA. We are union strong and union proud. And the Tonys are a night to not only recognize excellence in our community, but it's also a night to showcase and celebrate, which is something I love about the Tony Awards. It's not just about like this thick neck and neck competition, cutthroat. It really is just a celebration of this great art that was created throughout the season and just to cheer on each other, especially because a lot of the performers and artists in these respective shows don't necessarily get a chance to see each other's work. So this is the chance that they have to get to witness this incredible, these incredible performances. So with that being said, I feel the community definitely wants us to be televised so that they can celebrate with the rest of the country and the world, as well as showcase of performances. But more importantly, more importantly, I think the industry does not want the awards to happen in a way of supporting the WGA strike. It's kind of a real big slap in the face. There's a reason why the awards right now are not being televised, and it's because of this strike, which is for the right reason. We want to show our support. And if that means we can't have our awards right now, then we can't have our awards right now. We'll have to wait. Well, and the thing that I love about the Tony Awards is they are different than any other award show that is televised because the Tony Awards is the only awards show that requires people to travel to a specific location to view the content. Right? Right. Because in other... In other... Awards and mediums, it can be sent to them to view. Yeah, they can view it streaming or whatever. You can't do that with Broadway. And that's also what's so unique about theater, is theater is a good reflection of what society is finding important. And so not only are we showcasing what society is wanting to see or is developing and showcasing to the world, but we're also asking people to travel distances, and in most cases, long distances, to come view this mirror. So to have a televised event is a beautiful way to tell the world what we have to offer. Whereas other award shows don't need that. They don't exist for that reason. Ours does. So I think that it would be a a shame to not have that opportunity. That also being said, I... I fully stand with the writers of America. We want to see good wages. We want to see good business practices. And I think that, in my opinion, I would rather see the Tonys postponed until we can televise them rather than hear about a small ceremony because it, the nominations are beautiful and the awards are beautiful, but it's more about the content and the ability to share with the world. And we're going to have a full breakdown of this later on this week, the week of May 15th through the 21st, in an Instagram live event when we're going to be discussing this. And so stay tuned to our social media for when that event will be. 
But there's a lot going on with this. We would love to know what your thoughts are. But as of right now, we're going to have to hold our breath and see. We invite you nonetheless to join us for a viewing party for the 76th Annual Tony Awards. We are still holding our contest where you can fill out a ballot and enter it to win fabulous prizes. That'll be posted and announced as soon as we know more information about the Tonys. So... Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll have all that. Like I said, tune in for the Instagram Live. But we're going to go ahead and move off the Tony Awards now because there was a very interesting award that was announced recently, of course. We had the prestigious Pulitzer Awards announced and the Pulitzer for Drama came out. English by San Tuzzi has been awarded the 2023 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Now I was reading about the award and it essentially is to go to a an American writer who is writing about American issues. Yes. And this is what was interesting to me. This show is based in Iran and it's telling the story of Iranians not necessarily, I mean, I, I don't, if I remember the story right, they weren't going to America. You had a grandmother trying to get to Canada. You had a young student trying to get to, if I remember right, Australia to go study. You had a young man. The young man, I think, was the one that was trying to learn English for better, but I think he was also an American citizen. But they were all in Iran. And I found it really interesting because when I read that, I thought, well, what situation is this an American like what American situation is this facing and then I realized it's the language that centers us it's the ability to communicate through each other because America is more of a melting pot than ever and I loved the idea that we learn the stories of why these people are trying to learn this difficult language and see it as such a gateway, such such a, a path, a, a, a freeway or whatever into a better life to just endless possibilities. This one language can give them so much. Right. Now, one thing I am going to say that's slightly off topic and derivative is... I recently heard someone refer to America as no longer do we want to be known as a melting pot. We want to be known as a salad. Oh, yes. Because, and I thought it was brilliant because the idea of a melting pot is that all these ideas and people and different things come together and become one thing. And it's like, no, no, no. What we want actually is a giant salad with all these different parts and textures and flavors that come together for beautiful, interesting, deep, complex bites. We add something to the overall meal, but we're still unique in retaining what makes us special. Exactly. So I just thought that was interesting. And I think that calling it a salad (laughs) instead of a melting pot really does speak as to why... English yeah. is such a good play for that that metaphor. It was just, it was such a simple play in a way, but it was so, it spoke, it just spoke volumes. It was brilliant. And like I said, it, I, I had to sit there and be like, I don't understand how this is an American story. And I was sitting on the subway the last weekend and just listening to the languages around me. And I thought, this is gorgeous. The amount of, information and stories being told but in this beautiful poetic diff- these these sounds 
the fact that one item can be said in so many different ways. That's such a beautiful thing. And that's what I think is encompassed in this play. Congratulations to Santusi and the entire company of English and the play itself, English, on winning the Pulitzer Prize for drama. One kind of sad note to report, and you can hear all about this in a upcoming episode of Whisper in the Wings, when we discuss the upcoming 2023 Queerly Festival being presented by Frigid New York. The team at Frigid New York has announced that their lease is up at the Crane Theater in December, and they will not be renewing the lease. It is an end to an era. They have been there for 25 years, and they will not be renewing their lease. So Frigid New York will be leaving the Crane Theater at the end of the year. They are currently looking for a new home, particularly due to accessibility issues as well as uh, other things. Again, you can hear all about it in the Whisper in the Wings we have coming up. But... It's an exciting stepping stone. This is a great transition for Fridge in New York. I'm very excited. They've got some great plans in the works. They're not going away. All the festivals and shows we've come to love and we've brought to you here on Stage Whisper, they're still happening. So don't worry about that. We'll be back at the Frigid Fringe next year, bringing you all of that. We're going to be at the Queerly Festival this year, the Fire This Time Festival in January, all of that stuff. We're coming to you with all of that. That's still happening. But they have some events that you should definitely check out in the meantime. On May 25th, they're having a rent party to help pay their rent for May. I mean, it's <laughs> literally what it is, but they're encouraging you to come dressed up in your, like, that thing in your closet that's like the craziest thing, the conversation starter on the subway. Just come dressed in something fun. Come to the Crane Theater, pay what you can, and have a drink, have a raffle, enjoy some performances, have a good time. You and I were at the closing party for the Frigid Fringe, and it was. It's just like family. It's just a good time. It's a very good time. If you are someone in the area who really misses those good vibes that you used to get from, like, drama club in high school and college, college, yeah, definitely go check this out. It is just like that, except real life and adults. Yeah, it's a lot of, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. There's no pretentiousness or anything. Everyone is just so chill. So they've got that on the 25th. They have the Queerly Festival in June and July. They have the Sh- Little Shakespeare Festival, I think is what they call it, in July. Uh, we've got all this information on our upcoming Whisper in the Wing. So sad to see them go, but excited for all they have planned this year. In touring news, Some Like It Hot, which is the most Tony-nominated show this season yeah, has is. announced a uh, North American tour. So try to come out and see some Like It Hot. If you're not able to, hopefully it'll be coming to a town near you. I, I do want to take this moment to congratulate you and your show on its 13 Tony nominations. 13 noms. Most nominated show of the season. And I do want to go on the record now that I have her here because I've done this on the live. Hope, it was pouring rain. You walked out of your stage door before I went live with our predictions. What did I say your show would get? How many? 13. Thank you. I'm a savant. What can I say? (laughs) I called that. (laughs) Moving on to some show chatter. We've learned that Harmony, the musical by Barry Manilow, which played at the Jewish Museum. I'm getting that wrong, but it was downtown in the Fidei. We'll open at the Barrymore Theater on November 13th. That's going to be a very exciting show. To see. So we'll bring that to you. Stay tuned for that. 
An Enemy of the People, starring Jeremy Strong, will premiere on Broadway in 2024. This is the second Ibsen play to be adapted by Amy Herzog, and the second of her adaptions to reach Broadway. So it follows her adaption of the Do- A Doll's House, currently starring Jessica Chastain playing at the Hudson Theater. So I'm digging Amy Herzog's adaption of like these classics of Ibsen's. A Doll's House was really good, so I can't wait to see what she does with this play. Rob Madge's My Son's Queer, But What Can You Do is having a industry read event very, very soon, later this month, in fact, and we will keep you posted on a hopeful full production here in New York when it's announced. For our UK listeners, we've had a lot of you reach out to us about this show, telling us how amazing it is, especially some of our guests on Whisper in the Wings from the UK. They've mentioned, when we've asked, you know, some of the, what, what have you seen lately that you can recommend? And we're so excited that it is planting its feet here in New York. So we'll keep you posted about when that New York production and where and all the details as soon as we hear about it. So you probably are noticing at this point, this is a longer than normal (laughs) bulletin, but look, we just have a lot to get you caught up on and we've missed you. We've missed you. I've missed them. I've missed them too. It's just been a long couple months, busy couple months. Yes. We've been seeing a lot of shows. We're going to get to all of that part later. I want to start by the shows, actually. I want to, I want to keep to our... <laughs> I want to start by talking about what we saw because there were some great shows that, that, that I guess I got to take in this week that I really want to draw some attention to. So first of all, I got to see the closing performance of Dancing. And I got to tell you, I'm really disappointed the show's closing because it's a... It really is a beautiful show. Now look, it is not a musical or play. It's not a traditional musical or play. It's a dance concert, essentially. But if you were a Fosse fan, this is like the best sweet shop in the world. You will leave full-on sweet tooth cavities for days. Because what's great is there was hardly any of the music from the shows he did. Instead, you saw those iconic choreographed numbers set to other music so if you knew what they were it's like finding easter eggs and you got a thrill out of it but then i love that they announced in the beginning this is not your traditional show there's not really a storyline but the highlight for me was watching this talented group of dancers move lord knows i'm not a dancer but I appreciated to the nth degree the way these performers move, the lines they created, and these extensions. I don't think they're human. Like, <laughs> I want to find out because it was incredible to watch their hips just pulse and move, and then all of a sudden their legs fling and watch their shoulders bend. I mean, it was it was a sight to behold. And that's why I think I'm most disappointed about it is not only was it embodying that iconic choreography of Bob Fosse, but the movements that are being done at the Music Box Theater cannot be touched with a 10-foot pole by any other show on Broadway. It was just... I've never witnessed it. So... I also, the night before, had the pleasure of going to the Public Theater for their final show of the season... There, of course, they're moving up to Central Park to the Delacorte Theater for Shakespeare in the Park because we have warm weather. And I saw Shadowland. And this show, twofold, were, blew me away. The first is 
It's a play about Katrina, about uh, a mother and daughter. Hurricane Katrina? Yeah, Hurricane Katrina. Sorry, they were trapped in a bar during Hurricane Katrina. Okay. And the mother has early onset dementia. So mm. that, that had a special place for me. But the dialogue, the writing, the dialects, I mean, just a powerful and beautiful script. You pair that with the set, though, and it was out of this world. I mean, we see at one point part of the roof legitimately collapse, which, I mean, we're, that's not the shocking thing. We've seen that when, like, Peter Pan goes wrong on that, but it falls and water's falling, and we're like, okay. But then the stage floods, and the water continues to rise. And at first I thought, well, that's just the sound of water we're hearing being piped in. But then I start to notice that the stage is getting more reflective. And then I was like, oh, my God, they're flooding the stage. So these actors have to perform on the bar because the entire stage is flooded. And you really get the sense of the fear and everything and the heat and what these people went through. And you, the playwright has done just such a brilliant job of exposing the horror of that. And you realize that this was America. This happened in our country, in this developed great country. And I hope we get to have her on because it was so powerful. And then I've got two other shows I just want to mention because they were fabulous. First is at MCC and it's about to open. It's called Bees and Honey. It's a brilliant Latinx play. A wonderful story about two Dominican people that fall in love and you kind of follow their relationship. And it does not go where you want it to go, which I love. And I had such strong reactions and emotions about it and it's so brilliantly written and I love the modern message behind it is a thing. I, I, I literally got to ask in the talk back and I said, this is a story we're kind of used to seeing but being told by people we are not used to seeing tell it. The ending you won't see coming, which is brilliant. I encourage you, I encourage you, go to see Bees and Honey at MCC. I had the good fortune of getting a free ticket for my friend. Shout out to Keith Wise, the incredible Keith Wise. And so I can't wait to go back in June. I hope you'll all join us. We'll make it a stage whisper night at the theater. We'll post more details and it will be wonderful. Finally, I want to talk about the show We Were Promised Honey. And what I want to talk about is... This is an incredible show that I really haven't had the experience like this in the theater before. It's at 5959. It's a show that came over. It's part of the Brits off Broadway. Played at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. But this is a immersive audience participation show. And I was telling you about this. It not only was that, but it's like a choose your own adventure. Which was really cool. Like I've had those audience participation shows, right? Before mm -hmm. we've been to all those. But the fact that like the audience got to pick how the show would go was kind of really cool. We, it's kind of the, the point that it ties back to was the pilot who stole the Alaskan Airlines plane and flew it out of Seattle and then ended up crashing back in 2015, I think it was. Mm-hmm, yes. That's kind of our, our, our tieback spot. But this actor is telling us the story of, of what the world, you know, where, where we're going, what the future holds. And he discloses where we're going. Like, here's how it's going to end. Do you still want to know the story? But basically, he's like, 
if you want to still know the story, you will have to, someone has to start the play. Otherwise, we can sit here for the advertised running time of 65 minutes in silence. It's up to you. But someone will have to say, I would like to know how it begins. And then he sits there until someone speaks up. And what I loved about that is by doing that, all of a sudden we all let our guard down. And one by one, like I got to get up and participate and people got to participate. And we all got lured into this sense of we were all this one community. So in the end, Country Roads plays. And without thinking, half of us just start singing. And he's like, exactly, let's sing and let everyone know we're here. And I was like, how, bri- how did you do this, you wizard? You created this family in an hour. It was amazing. I and- love that. And I love that idea of experimenting with the form of what theater exists for. Yes, and he's basically saying that each person in the audience tonight is going to have this huge hand in the future. Don't forget these people. And almost for predicting the future in a way that's going to like make us see the future fulfilled. You know, It's playing through the 21st. Make sure you check it out. Seriously, it's an incredible show. Final couple things. We had a guest on our show. The conversation aired... Yesterday, May 14th on Sunday, so we're recording on a Monday, Sean Hayden, and I wanted to bring this up because it's Mental Health Awareness Month in May. He's got this great podcast that drops tomorrow, May 16th, called Stage Combat, A Mental Health Story. And I don't normally plug like extra for our guests, but this is a really important and powerful story about mental health in the theater, and I feel like it's a conversation that, like... We bring up the buzzwords about it, and then we're like, cool, we talked about it. Let's move on. And he is telling a very important, powerful story. He's got health experts on there. And I encourage you all to tune in. And I know that seems backwards. I want you to go listen to another podcast. Not ours, but, you know, because it's having a conversation that I think is long overdue about mental health in the theater industry. We need to make sure we're taking care of all of our artists, not just actors, but, you know, stage workers, designers, backstage people like wig artists, dressers, you know, A2s, all those people. We all need to be caring for everyone, not just physically, but mentally. And this is a great podcast that shows both the bad and the good of it. And he does it so brilliantly in the way he's telling the story. And it's one thing to want to start a conversation this is taking it the step forward and saying here's the conversation what are we going to do about it and well he also starts to offer solutions too so season one comes out tomorrow and we're going to be tuning in episodes drop every week we're going to be tuning in i can't wait but i encourage you to stage combat a mental health story check it out now You have probably noticed with the absence of the Broadway Bulletin and our regular episodes. God, I've missed talking about regular theater. It's been crazy. We've been releasing an interview every day. And some of you might have been like, this is amazing. And others of you might have been like, okay, you know, Taylor Swift, you need to calm down. (laughs) But there is a reason. First of all, we've had the incredible fortune of being blessed with some incredible artists reaching out to us that we've been able to share with you and help promote. But also we have 
had this incredible relationship we formed with a wonderful person named Jay Michaels at Jay Michaels Global Communications and Channel. And we're going to have an exciting announcement soon regarding this. But many of their clients have reached out to us, and I'm sure you've heard of them from Broadway producers and writers and composers to off and off off Broadway artists. So And indie artists. And indie artists, yes. I mean, it's. I hope you have enjoyed these conversations as much as I have enjoyed it having them, you know, recording them. Because it it has been a cavalcade of, you know, work, but it has been also amazing to see what is happening in the world of theater. And we are excited to continue to bring that to you. If you notice, our reach has expanded beyond New York. I mean, we are coast to coast now and globally. So that is... I'm just amazed at what is out there and what's coming and who, the, the next generation of theater makers and what they're working on. This is incredible. So we hope you have been excited or inspired by them. But we want to let you know that there is a reason why it's been happening. It isn't just, you know, we've, we've, we've ceased the Broadway bulletin or the regulars. Um, no, no, we've just, uh, we've just been busy with the big announcement coming that we, like I said, we'll be announcing. So with that, we are here to let you know that we are returning to your regular broadcast schedule. The Broadway bulletin is back every Tuesday. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And coming Thursday, we will be back with our regular Stage Whisper broadcast, starting with, of course, our exciting upcoming episode on the great play Hand to God. So I can't wait to cover the show. It's a, it's a raucous play. But we're getting back to our regular schedule, two, three episodes of content coming to you a week. We won't blow your phone up that much. But if you have a project or something, keep us posted. We love supporting artists. Especially, we are looking for backstage artists. Set, wig, sound, light designer. We want to know... Costume, wardrobe. Yeah. We want shoes. To, we want to talk to the people who make theater happen. Not just the playwrights, directors, actors. Like, we love speaking all of you, too. I mean, they are a hoot. We want to also know about the people who keep the lights on and everything. So if you're out there and you've got a story... Come tell us it. I think we have run the gamut of everything. I think there's only one thing left that we have to just like poke with the stick and beat the dead horse with. And of course that is Patreon. Patreon. (laughs) Hey, if you haven't signed up to be a patron yet to be a producer and get your backstage pass, what are you waiting for? Head on over to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. Sign up for your backstage pass leave a tip in the tip jar. We would so greatly appreciate it. Your money goes to support artists. It allows us to continue to cover the theater and bring you this great content. So we hope you'll be able to help support us, support art. And also, if you're not able to give yourself, if you could do us a favor and find someone who can and help promote us to them, that'd be great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> tell your friends, tell your rich friends, tell your rich friends' friends. I met a wonderful woman yesterday at Dancing in Maryland who said, my sister and I had this thing where we'll call each other up and we'll go, it's my turn. And the other one goes, all right, well, here's your $5 million. And I just looked at her and I said, Marilyn, it's my turn. And she goes, all right. Well, keep in mind, we just met. She goes, all right. Here's your $5 million. I said, $5,000 will do, but I'll take the rest and I can go produce theater now. You know? 
So yeah, and, and, and along with that, if you are in the New York area and you're looking for something to do, we have tours available. You can find us on Airbnb. You if can... you're planning a visit to New York anytime soon and want to hear, you know, beautiful, in-depth stories about the Broadway area and Times Square. And you want to hear my voice some more. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, this, this charismatic, funny man is just as funny and charismatic in person. I have that on recording. I Oops. have that on recording. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're interested in a tour, we have one set up on Airbnb, but if you'd like a personal tour of anywhere in New York... Or a customized tour, we got you. Just send us an email at stagewithpod at gmail.com. Thank you to all of our patrons right now. You are incredible. We could not do this without you. So thank you so much for that. I think the last thing now to do is introduce what's coming next. And we have a very special bit coming next. We've got an episode of Whisper in the Wings for you. <laughs> and I know that doesn't seem special, but the guest is. We are crossing the ocean on this episode of Whisper in the Wings, heading to the beautiful city of London, and we are bringing you our first West End show. I can't believe, yes, major West End production. We sat down with the star of Operation Mincemeat, Claire Marie Hall, for this great conversation about her show. So enjoy this episode of Whisper in the Wings. Welcome in, listeners, to a very special Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Once again, we are going global on today's episode as we venture to the West End with our guest, actress Claire Marie Hall, who is currently starring in the West End production of Operation Mincemeat, playing now through August 19th at the Fortune Theatre in London. Tickets and more information are available at OperationMincemeat.com. And without further ado, why don't we go ahead and bring on the star of the West End hit Operation Mincemeat, Claire Marie Hall. Welcome, welcome to Whisper in the Wing from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> really an honor. I, You are the first West End show to come onto our show this is a dream. Like I, I'm pretty sure I'm still in bed, still sleeping, and I'm, this isn't real life. You know what I mean? So this it's is very early in the morning there, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but I'm very excited about your show, Operation Mincemeat. In fact, I have just been reading a few articles about it prior to our conversation, like independently from it. I was like, oh, the show, Operation Mincemeat. Oh, what? oh, what's this about it? And then doing my homework last night, I was like, oh my God, I'm having someone from the show on our show. <laughs> this is incredible. So your show is really picking up great reviews, both sides of the Atlantic. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about Operation Mincemeat? Well, um, it's based on the actual World War II operation, which is 
a mad operation where the Allied forces had to come up with a plan, or MI5 had to come up with a plan to move the Nazi party from Sicily into Sardinia, where they had to kind of basically trick them into doing so in order to advance the war. And they did so by coming up with this mad scheme where they would find a corpse dress him up as um, a pilot with secret documents, quotation marks, which would kind of then signify the wrong place for the Nazi party to move into. And they put it into the Spanish Sea with the hope that the Spaniards would find it and deliver it to Hitler, which was so mad, but actually worked and was successful and helped us win the war. There was a film recently with Colin Firth which detailed the same operation. And our kind of musical is the same sort of story, but with a really different take. It's very much a comedy. It really centers on the whole insanity of um, the whole scheme. And yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. There's five actors in it. We play all the characters, not just the central characters. We play about probably about 15 characters each. It's very madcap, very play that goes wrong with bits of Hamilton and Six. Everyone's put into it. A little bit of the producers. Everything is kind of like a, a hodgepodge of different musical styles. And it's kind of a bit of fun for everybody, really, with some real heart behind it as well. Some real touching moments. I love all of that. Wow. Very different. Yes. <laughs> so how did you come upon this show yourself? So the show itself has been running for about five years in the fringe here. They started in an 80-seat theatre called The New Diorama. It's made by four people called Spitlip, three of which actually star in the production with me. So there's only two of us that are sole actors. The three are writers and actors. And they put on this first production and I joined for the second run. It sold out on the first one. It was only a five-week, I think a five-week run. And then when I joined, it was only a 10-show run at another little theatre or called the Southwark Playhouse, again on the fringe. We were in their little stage, called the Little, and then it moved into the large, sold out there. And then we did another run at another fringe venue called Riverside Studios. And now we're finally on the West End. So I sort of, I was lucky. I kind of, I auditioned for the part, not really kind of like knowing what I was getting into apart from the breakdown, because there wasn't any music available apart from what I finally got given in the final finals for the audition so I didn't know that much about it and just happened to land on this fantastic job and this fantastic show that I kind of feel so grateful to be a part of. It's incredible. What has it been like developing your role and the show since you've joined? It's been a real unique process because when I first joined, Jean has, I play Jean Leslie, who is an MI5 secretary and part of the scheme. She also actually is probably well known as part of the secret documentation, again, quotation marks, that they put on the um, the dead pilot, quotation marks. They actually put a picture of his fiance and a letter from his fiance called, they, they called Pam. They, they made up this whole backstory for the pilot. And Jean Leslie was the MI5 secretary chosen to be that that kind of imaginary fiance. So I play her necessarily, and she's kind of like evolved over the process, as has a lot of the script, as the songs. And it's been a real nice part being in the room and kind of like, it's a very divisive process as well, being able to kind of have somewhat of a say, especially as an actor, kind of, uh, if you go into a big musical, you don't really get that much of a say. The book is already written, you get told where to stand, what to sing. So actually being able to kind of like say, oh, I think she would do this, or I think her physicality would be this. and. Yeah, in kind of like ways, almost getting to have some sort of say in the craft of the, of the character as well has been so, so, so special and just very unique. 
That is fantastic. So what is the message or thought you're hoping that the audience will take away from your show? It's kind of the whole thing is there's a lovely message behind the show that the little man counts and that everybody is, there's a gorgeous song as well. The, the, the album's just released, so I can like tell you all about the songs and everything. You can listen to it now, actually. It's from today. It's, it's streamable. There's a lovely song called Useful, which is about all the kind of the little people behind this operation that will never be acknowledged. In my case, the women that will never kind of like get any medals or are kind of known from the work that they put in. And that's kind of the message of the show. And there's a lovely homage to the the corpse that they used and his actual backstory at the end. And he is the little man in this kind of scenario. It's kind of also when it comes to any sort of effort, also in the world of acting, in the world of just general all round that every person counts towards the goal that you're trying to succeed. That is lovely. Oh my gosh. And I cannot wait to listen to this album. I Yay. love that you you let us know that it's available for streaming. I know and I'm listening to on the train. <laughs> it's a real bop. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I can't wait. Finally, for the first part of the interview, I want to ask who do you hope have access to Operation Mincemeat? It's kind of, it's a show for everybody, really. And from any age, you're talking young to old, people who love history, people who love comedy. It's very, very, very funny. People who love any musical style, because the difference in this musical as well is it's not what's set, it's not set on one genre. Every single song is kind of a different genre based on what the character is saying or what the character kind of the actual character themselves you've got you've got sea shanties you've got a bit of girl pop in there you've got some what's called some your you musical theater ballads like you're you kind of like standard old musical vaudevillian style there's sort of something there for everybody really so kind of like everybody can tune in and actually hopefully love it interviews we love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more and I want to start by asking you what playwrights or composers or shows inspire you or are some of your favorites I have a load when I when I first started the um the main musical that inspired me was Miss like Miss Saigon I'm half Filipino so I have a huge soft spot for Les Longer and that was the first musical really that kind of inspired me to go into musical theatre so obviously that will stay sort of like my prime love necessarily along with that Les Mis I did that when I was younger and still has some of the best music in terms of musical theatre style. In terms of new musicals, I know probably everybody loves it and it's not necessarily new anymore, but last five years, I just think is beautiful. I love Jason Robert Brown, fantastic composer, as do we all. Also, I started listening to Beetlejuice as well, which I really, really love. <laughs> it's so good. I wanted to come here. But yeah, I kind of like, I kind of like every kind of like different style and I'm trying to think of like older ones as well that I love. I love your Rodgers and Hammersteins, you like your South Pacifics, King and I's, kind of a bit of everything. I don't really have a particular preference per se. That is a great, great list of music. Stay tuned for Beetlejuice. Wink, wink. 
we hear things over here. (laughs) But back to you. (laughs) I know you've been busy with Operation Mincemeat, which is fabulous, but have you had the chance to see any theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I'm trying to think because it's been so full on the last few weeks. I went to see, annoyingly you won't get it over there, but my neighbour Totoro, I went to see the play, which is fantastic. It won all the awards here. Also another musical, which our director and our designer was a part of called Standing at the Sky's Edge, which won the Olivier for best new musical as well. was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Kind of sort of like three different generations of people who live in this same block in Sheffield and kind of how it all ties in and their stories. And basically it's a love for Sheffield, which is a city here, kind of like they're, they're all kind of like at the beginning, it's working class, working class people and the troubles that they went through as well. There is, I think there's uh, the second story is there's an immigrant comes over or an immigrant family and her trying to slot into life here in Britain it's just so, so heartfelt. And there's just beautiful, beautiful music in it as well. So that there's another one there. I'm trying to think of anything that you would get over there, but I, I can't actually think of anything. If you have anything for, for our listeners in London, we do. You, you're actually speaking to the second largest market of ours right now. Woo! Yeah. Okay, well, Standing at the Sky's Edge is coming to the West End later on. I think it's next year. So go, go, go and see it. Also, My Neighbour Totoro is back at the end of this year. Fantastic play. If you have listened or watched the Studio Gimli film version, this kind of, it is that, but really doesn't, you know, you can get some plays that sort of just are the film on stage. This is so much more. There is puppetry, like the beautiful, beautiful puppetry. And you just, it's just magical. It transports you back to being a kid. It's fantastic. And the acting in that also for the kind of East Asian, Southeast Asian market, like finally getting representation here is a big, big deal. So yeah, that they won, they, they kind of both those, both those, the play and the musical just swept the board of the Olivier Awards here. And there's obvious reasons why. So they're my two recommendations. Go, go, go. Claire, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? My favorite part, I think coming back, I've been really lucky to be in shows where you have, uh, so I, I was in the industry when I was kind of like my late teens, early twenties. And I actually left because I got a bit dispirited by the whole thing. And I came back when I was in my late twenties with kind of a mindset of, okay, well, I'm going to at least try and, and do roles that sort of where I kind of have a bit of a say in, in how they're kind of like how they're crafted, how they're made of the characters. Cause I felt that's what I kind of lacked when I was sort of not growing up for the first time round when I was in the industry. And that's what I love the most is the divisive process, the rehearsal process, uh, kind of exploring the characters, just just playing, which you get to do in college. But then you kind of, as I said, like, especially in big commercial, like big commercial sort of ventures where you're, you're doing cast change necessarily, you don't you don't get to do that as much. So, yeah, that that would be my favorite part, I think. I love that. Yes. I think we all love that. That's why we became actors, right? That's why they call them plays. You yes, exactly. Play. You're just playing. Also trying oh. different ways of doing things. Like this show has really helped me with that. I used to be quite set in my ways of like, oh, I found something and I kind of, I'm quite OCD. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, and this is how this is going to stick with me and I'm going to run with this. And then especially as there's such good comedians in this show, and you try and find something new. I mean, rehearsals for us were mad because everyone would just be trying new different things out, obviously, because the writers are in it as well. So they'd be trying different gags out all the time. And it's it's just really, really fun to play. Well, finally, we've arrived at my favorite question. 
and I'm so excited to hear yours. And it's what is your favorite theater memory? Gosh, my favorite theater memory. Oh, do you know what? I'm that's I'm trying to think actually. It, it's just generic, but so when I came out of college, I was really, really lucky. I uh, kind of my, my first role was in Les Mis, I played Cosette. And all through college, I think, ev- well, everybody on my course anyway wanted to be in Les Mis. It's sort of the one like, I mean, especially as a singer, like I kind of like I went into college as primarily my thing was singing. And so to like step on the stage for the first time, I remember when we actually got to, we moved from the rehearsal venue into the, into the theatre and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is my home. Like I get to, I get to be here and I get to sing on this stage that I've, I've sat in that audience for so many times and actually not even just, just literally getting to walk on it and, and the cobbles on the stage, getting to like, just see the revolve and see all the different things of set and actually kind of like be like, okay, no, I'm part of this now. I think it was that just general feeling of your first sort of like big proper production, like actually getting to be a part of it and going, oh my God, like I, I've made it. I've, I've Everything that I've sat and watched, like I'm a part of this now. It's that just general excitement and overwhelm, I guess. I love that. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, it's just, it's that, I, it's, it's that little kind of like bubble, isn't it, inside where you're like, oh, like everything that I've sort of worked for, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> yes, and that, it's that excitement and fear and anticipation all in one. It's a feeling that you want to go away, but you don't at the same time. When yeah. you get space and just like, ah. Uh-huh. And it's weird. You can't recreate that anywhere else. No, it, it is the something, again, what we all strive to as actors, isn't it, is we want that thrill, we want that little, that bubbling inside. Yeah, even, like, even things that at the end of the show, when you when you do the bows, you get that. It's kind of like, oh, it's this is why we do it. Yes. What a wonderful memory. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, it's kind of like such a good question. Nobody, like, nobody's ever asked me that before. It's a funny one to think of. Oh, we're all about that here. <laughs> Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? I'm kind of, I'm hoping, I mean, we're, we're playing now till August the 19th in an ideal world that something else will happen in Operation Mincemeat in the future. I don't know what. So kind of all my efforts are focused on that at the moment, necessarily. Well, after like three and a half years, I think all my love and energy has been poured into this show. I mean, like that's not even talking about the writers who made it and who have been on board since the beginning. So yeah, I think... Nothing necessarily on the cards yet. The cast recording is the main thing that we're really excited about. It literally came out today. So actually getting to listen to all those songs online has been a a massive deal for us. And it's available anywhere, right? You know, like YouTube Music, iTunes, Spotify, all that. Yep. So it's available on Spotify. It's available on Amazon. It's available on your your typical streaming kind of um, platforms. Um, We also do a CD version. We also do a vinyl version, which I'm so like excited by. It's so pretty. I'm getting a a record player just to play the vinyl version. (laughs) Yes. I love a good vinyl. Oh my gosh. Exciting. And it's yellow. The branding of the show is all yellow and black. And the actual, it's a two, it's a two set thing. And they're actually yellow vitals. It's mad. Finally, if our listeners want more information about Operation Mincemeat or about you, perhaps they'd like to get a hold of you. How can they do that? So if you log on to operationmincemeat.com, you can, there's a little brief history of the show. Also, if you type in Operation Mincemeat Musical, there are so many different reviews and, and different kind of stories of the show that will come up on Google now. We just had our press night and our gala night recently. So everything is filling in now, which is really exciting. In terms of myself, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. 
no, my, I'm terrible at Twitter and Instagram. I can't remember the names. I think I'm Claire Marie 612 on Twitter and then Claire underscore M underscore Hall on Instagram. Blair, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and, and talk with me, talk with our audiences. Thank you for being our first West End production. The, oh. the honor is ours. This is incredible. And what thank a you. show thank to you. start things on. This, is in, this show sounds amazing. I genuinely might have to hop on a plane later this summer, come on over and see this incredible musical. So thank you so much for sharing this, this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> We're at, so. thank you you had to get up really early this afternoon here <laughs> well thank you for joining us today oh thank you so much for asking me it really means a lot I feel really special now as well being the first West End person yay <laughs> my guest today has been the actress Claire Marie Hall who is currently starring in the West End musical Operation Mincemeat it is currently playing now through August 19th at the Fortune Theatre in London. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting operationmintsme.com. We also have some social media information for Claire that we'll be posting on our episode description as well as on our social media. But if you're in the UK, in the London area... Make sure to get your tickets now to see Operation Mincemeat. And if you're not in that area, if you're like us... Might be time to book a holiday and head on over to the UK and check out this great show playing through the 19th of August at the Fortune Theatre. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theatre. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.